0: It's time now for Empowered Family Talk with Francita Hallriss. Do you want to empower families and young people in your community? Then take the time to make a tax-deductible contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. The Coach Tate Foundation is is dedicated to helping young people and their families in learning and passing on the kinds of life skills that we all need to succeed. All too often, we hear about kids and their families having encountered life's difficulties that could have been easily avoided by knowing better decision-making skills, from anger management to money management to something as simple as learning to manage how we spend our time or how we use our job skills. Make a donation to the Coach Tate Fund. It'll help kids who need help and their families too. Make your contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. Get details at www.coachtatefoundation.com And oh, by the way, thank you. May the words of my
1: mouth and the meditations of my heart Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Good morning. It's family time and welcome back, listeners. Our topic for today is there is more to your story in God's glory on our pathway forward. Listeners, do you know there is more to your own story? In God's glory? Are you living today from God's glory to glory in your own life story? Does your own story reflect the pain and the gain in God's glory? Well let's talk about it. What does the Bible say and what is the meaning of quote from glory to glory unquote, in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, and it reads as such, quote, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit, unquote, 2 Corinthians three eighteen. With those few words, listeners, quote, from glory to glory, unquote, Paul sums up our entire Christian life. From redemption and sanctification on this earth to our entire glorious eternal welcome into heaven. There's a great deal of content packed into those few words, listeners. It's all so important that Paul labors at great Lent from 2 Corinthians 2.14 through the end of chapter 5 to open his reader's eyes to a great truth. Now, let's see why that truth matters so much, listeners. The same Greek word for, quote, glory, unquote, is used twice in the phrase from glory to glory. Yet each usage refers to something different. The first quote, glory, unquote, is that of the old covenant, listeners, the law of Moses, while the second is that of the new covenant, listeners, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Both have astonishing splendor. The old covenant was given to Moses directly from God, written by God's own finger in Exodus 31, 18. That root of our Christian faith is glorious indeed, listeners. It's the glory will come in, quote, from, unquote. Yet the new covenant, the glory we're going, quote, to, unquote, far surpasses that of the old. The transformation is from the glory of the law, like the stone it was written on, the law was inflexible and absolute, applying to all Israelites without much regard for individual circumstances. Hebrews 10 28. Though holy, good, and righteous in itself, Romans 7:12, the law was for us sinners. Listeners, the letter that kills us, 2 Corinthians 3:6. The law was an external force. To control behavior. In addition. Stone. Despite its strength. Is earthly. And will eventually wear away. The law was merely a temporary guardian. As it tells us in Galatians 3. 23 through 25. Until something better. Came along. Transformation listeners. Is to the glory of the new covenant. Which far surpasses the old. In every way. It forgives us of our sin and gives us sinners' life, John six sixty It is written on believers' hearts by the Holy Spirit, Jeremiah thirty one thirty three and 2 Corinthians 3, 3. So our obedience, listeners, to God springs up from within us, you and me, by God-given desires rather than by threats of legal punishment. In place of a cold set of writings as a guide for pleasing God, we now have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit making their home within us and with us. Fellowship and and loving intimacy, teaching us everything we must know and do. John 14, 23 and John 16, 13. Now, listeners, that position in Jesus Christ is as permanent, eternal, and spiritual as God himself rather than any temporary and earthly things. Paul is intent on directing Christians to focus on the spiritual glory of the new covenant rather than the physical glory of old, as many Jews in his day refused to do. He compared the two types of glory by recalling how Moses absorbed and reflected God's glory for a time after being in his presence, 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 11, and Exodus 34, 29 through 35. Now, listen as though Moses' glow had a spiritual cause behind it, there was nothing spiritual about the effect. Any person, regardless of his relationship with God, could see the glow on Moses' face, which he covered with a veil not so the glory of the new covenant that can be seen only with a believer's spiritual eyes what paul is doing his best to open so that we you and i discern the gospel's glory so he writes quote for god who said let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts, listeners, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. But listeners, as we move from glory to glory, there's something even more important about the glory of the new covenant that we as children of God must understand. It's supernatural power to transform us. And that brings us to God's ultimate purpose, listeners, and destination for every believer, to transform us into the image of His own beloved Son, 2 Corinthians three eighteen and Romans eight twenty eight through thirty, Philippians three twenty through twenty one, listeners. Before He finishes with the topic of being transformed from glory to glory, Paul presents yet one more astonishing claim. Quote. Therefore. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has gone and the new has come, unquote. Second Corinthians 517. Listeners, this is the invitation the Lord makes to all Christians to have our lives radically transformed here and now by opening our eyes to see the glorious journey he is taking us on, quote, from glory to glory, unquote.
2: Amen. This broadcast is supported by donations as well as liking and supporting Empower Family. You can go to www.francina.com, which is P-H-R-A-N-T-C-E-E-N-A.com and press donate.
1: Now, welcome back, listeners, and let's take from our guest Contributor, Laura's story. She provides, your painful story brings God's glory. And it reads as such. We can all think of an instance where someone sharing their difficult or painful story has touched us. What if they never had told that story? What if you never tell yours, listeners? A good friend who is also a pastor has a child who is a heroine at it. I'm sure he was tempted to hide his family problems from the church where he worked. He could have withdrawn socially and spiritually from the church. Maybe someone would have asked about him, or maybe no one would have noticed, as he and his wife drifted into the isolation with their secret. But isolation rarely leads to anything good. What happens, listeners, when God doesn't fix it? As we all know, telling our personal stories of struggle and pain can be dangerous. Fortunately, this minister realized he wasn't the only one going through a trial. Parents in his church and community were facing the same issues and needed the same kind of support he did. God used him and his willingness to share his pain to form a confidential support group for parents whose children were involved in destructive lifestyles. He wasn't shouting his story from a megaphone on a Sunday morning, and he wasn't doing it in a way that would shame his child. He was privately sharing his suffering with those who needed to hear it most. Listeners, your painful story brings God's glory. Share your suffering with others, listeners. In all its messiness, share your story and share your sufferings with others. In the group, parents of alcoholics and drug abusers came together and prayed for their children in a faith-filled, understanding, and supportive environment. Think of how many families have been helped because they now have a safe place to discuss their struggles. I'm so thankful my friend knew God could redeem his broken story and he was willing to be a part of redeeming others' people's broken stories. Listeners, imagine how thankful the parents who come to this group are for his willingness to be transparent. He didn't wait for his story to be resolved or to have a happy ending. He shared his story of struggling with a child he loves dearly but couldn't help. Lessons you never wanted to learn. His story reminds me that when God uses our stories to heal others, they don't have to be finished. They don't have to be wrapped up into a neat, tidy bowl with all the answers before God can use them. He can redeem our stories listeners while they're still tattered and we're still in the brokenness. I know a lot of people who are in troubled marriages and they feel as if they have to wait until their marriage situation is resolved before they can talk about it. But more people live in the tension that life in the extremes, and they live it in the extremes. When people are willing to share their stories and their struggles, they can help others who are living under that same burden. If you like me, listeners, the testimonies you find the most inspiring aren't those that are easy, comfortable and happy all the way through. It's the testimonies of those who've struggled deeply and found God faithful even in the midst of their brokenness. Truth you can't live without. The most inspiring testimonies are of those who have suffered deeply and found God to be faithful even in the painlessness. God can use your story, whatever it is, for the salvation of the nations. I say that not even knowing what your story is, because that is a principle that comes from the Bible. People hear about the gospel from those who are living out the gospel. They are redeemed when we point them to the Redeemer. They can be saved with those of us who are saved point to the Savior. What trial is God bringing into your life, listeners, for the purpose of equipping you to do his work? What trials are you going through right now that God is using? to equip you for future ministry. God wants to use your story, listeners, for the salvation of the nations, not because of the greatness of your story, but because of the greatness of our God. Amen.
2: This broadcast is brought to you in partnership with the Coach Tate Foundation. You can support the broadcast so we can bring you God's word with any type of donation. You can go to www.CoachTateFoundation.com, which is www.CoachTateFoundation.com.
1: Now, welcome back, listeners, and let's notate these 14 key tenets that may be spiritual hindrances to living in God's glory in your own personal life contributing guest, James Frazier of Bria. He wrote this on October 6, 2017. Quote, we need to lay aside every weight that hinders us in running the spiritual race. Previously, we considered what things help our spiritual progress. It is just as important to identify what holds us back. Otherwise, we will not make the best use of what helps come. These are personal observations from James Fraser of Brier, and reflect his own experience, listeners. It is helpful to learn from those that have been many years in the Christian life making particular effort in exercising themselves to godliness. Perhaps some of Fraser's observations are surprising or may be disturbing to us, but they will certainly make us think, listeners. We need to engage in our own self-examination to consider our own ways. The first one he notes, listeners, a legalistic spirit. Satan sometimes urges me violently and boastingly to engage in duties in my own strength, overdriving me with thunder and lightning and laying more upon me than I am able to bear this is like putting wine in old bottles, seeking such and such duties, and so much exacting them by weight and measure. It weakens my hands, irritates me, and makes me do nothing, seeing I cannot get what is urged, done. It makes me act slavishly. Genesis thirty-three thirteen 13, and Romans 7, 11. Number two, listeners, he notes, unspiritual company. The company of carnal unregenerate people and graceless nominal professing Christians has been a hindrance. This has been especially the case if I have been familiar with them, living close to them, or have not challenged or instructed them. When near, they have dispersed their poison and infection and turned my heart kernel. It is like some diseases that are not contracted unless you come near those that have them. 1 Corinthians 15 33. Number three, listeners, he notes godly company with no spiritual benefit. When it has not been used to best spiritual advantage, I have even found godly company damaging, drawing away my heart from God and rendering it carnal. If we have not sought the Lord through mutual prayer and have had no spiritual conversation, or I have stayed too long with them. Hardening takes place when we are not exhorting one another. Hebrews 3.13 Number four, listeners, careless talk, he notes. I have had my spirit turned out of frame and quite distempered by loud, violent, hasty, and much talk even in good things. I have found the talking of the lips tend to penury. Proverbs fourteen twenty three and a breach made in the spirit by perverse speaking, James three five through six Proverbs seventeen twenty seven. Number five listeners being out and about too much. He notes I have found going away from home and being in public too much to be damaging. These have been like the devil's market days. Let me prepare. Pray and watch as much as I will. This still happens. My spirit has been put out of a spiritual condition, especially if I've gone out without great necessity. Going here and there is good for neither soul nor body. Number six, overindulging. I have found excess in the use of food, drink and other recreations very prejudicial and to be the ordinary inlet many evils this makes the body is not in the right condition and the spirit utterly indisposed to any good exercise Luke 21 34 and Proverbs 25 27 number seven carelessness about devotions omitting private duties or doing them in a careless way this includes duties such as prayer self-examination meditation and reading. Number eight listeners, neglecting spontaneous silent prayer. Neglecting spontaneous silent prayer when conversing with others, for this is the fountain of waters that drops from heaven and makes the heart fruitful. Matthew 26, 41. Number nine, vain thoughts. Vain thoughts in the morning, when riding, and in private spiritual exercises. Even though they are not bad thoughts, I have found these to put my spirit wrong and as much as anything and to make me utterly unfit for duty. Jeremiah 4.14 Number 10, not keeping the heart. Unwatchfulness and not keeping the heart while in the world. Not being, quote, in the fear of God all the day long, unquote. Not keeping God or neglecting the continual oversight of my heart, tongue, and actions but growing callous, I have found that when my heart is unwatched, it runs away and engages in sins and temptations. There are many disorders in a city while there is no government, and this is the state of my heart at such times. Matthew 26, 41. This has done extreme evil. Through this, I lose in public what I gain in private. Number 11, unbelieving discouragements. Unbelieving discouragements arising from feeling of what I lack, sins and trials. These have weakened my hands, 1 Samuel 12, 20, Lamentations 1, 9. It was when Peter started to be afraid that he began to sink. Number 12, being too absorbed in temporal things, being highly engaged in outward affairs and business and eagerly pursuing them. These have distracted me and made me utterly unable to serve God. Luke 10, 4 and 21, 34. Number 13, pride. Pride in thinking much of myself. Self boasting of myself, seeking the praise of men, and seeking to exalt myself by being careful in duties, seeking to share the glory with Christ in the matter of salvation. This has made the Lord reject me many times, withdrawing me from my resolution to quote hide pride, unquote. This made the Jews not obtain righteousness because they sought it, quote, as it were by the works of the law, unquote Romans 9, 32. And lastly, number 14, listeners, slothfulness. Slothfulness in sleeping too long and trifling away the time, especially in company, has clothed me rags. Amen.
2: This broadcast is supported by donations as well as liking and supporting Empower Family. You can go to www.francina.com, which is P-H-R-A-N-T-C-E-E-N-A.com and press donate.
1: Now, welcome back, listeners. Let's notate how does God change you by our colleague, Ed Crenshaw. The Damascus Road, glory. That word can sound a little crazy, especially shouted with religious fervor and a southern accent which naturally comes to me but in the new testament paul writes often of the glory of god for him glory was not something flaky nor was glory merely theological theoretical or internally spiritual it is all those things but for paul glory was a tangible experience according to Acts 22 the visual experience of the glory of god changed paul's life and listeners it can change your life too Glory is the nature of God. It's the perfection of all his attributes. As Tony Evans said that God's glory is the sum total of his attributes in all their perfection. God's glory is intrinsic to his nature. One scholar resource says in reference to God's glory, quote, in the ultimate sense, no subject is more important than this, unquote. Is God's glory relevant? Well, the heavens and all of creation, see Psalm 19, the whole earth is filled with His glory, listeners, but we're not as glory conscious as God would like us to be. Those of us who know Jesus and have experienced God's presence should be more aware of God's glory. We should also be more glory hungry, more desirous of glory after getting a glimpse of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Can you catch a glimpse, listeners? Moses, even after uh, his experience with God, says to the Lord, quote, show me your glory, unquote. God's reply, quote, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, unquote. Exodus 33, 19. God's glory is all my goodness. We want that. We were made for that. Moses asked for a visible manifestation of the glory of God and God gave it to him, listeners. I believe he would do that for you and me too. Glory is manifest in all creation, listeners, yet the knowledge of it is not yet universal. There are degrees of manifestation and awareness of God's glory. The Bible describes special times of manifestation the giving of the law, the dedication of the tabernacle and the dedication of the temple and the transfiguration of Jesus, we should be sensitive to the glory of God all around us, listeners, yet still maintain that desire for more. As with Moses, quote, show me your glory, Lord, should be our cry, listeners. Let's, why not go for this the way Moses did, listeners? One, we just don't believe God will show himself to us in a powerful way. Indeed, every manifestation of the presence of the glory of God is the same. And we all so need to learn to see God's glory in the mundane. Second, we just don't want to be weird. And expecting a manifestation of God's glory seems weird. We don't know what to do with it. Peter wanted to build tap apples on the mountain when Jesus Christ showed him his glory in the transfiguration. When Jesus showed his glory to Peter, James, and John, he had no clue what to do. You don't want to be weird. Know that God doesn't show his glory to give us bragging rights, listeners. I can share my story in a way to encourage you to expect God's glory. Or I can share my story in a way to impress you with my very unique access to God's glory. I hope I'm simply encouraging you. Otherwise, when we try to use our own spiritual experiences to impress, it just gets weird. God's glory is the goal of history. One of the reasons we want the glory of God is because it is the goal of all history. God describes his glory as his goodness, listeners. That's why he wants us to behold his glory. That's why the end goal of creation is that the knowledge of the glory of God covers the earth. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk 2, 14. All of creation is headed there. And God invites all of us today, listeners, to get on the glory train. God's glory, we must note, is the fear of the enemy. The devil hates the prospect of your seeing the glory of God. We are expecting to capture a glimpse of God's glory to change our lives. Two, all for the better. That's why the devil fights us so hard listens to keep us from seeing the glory of God. The devil wants to blind you to God's glory. Because once your heart is captured by the glorious presence of God, nothing else will have quite the same appeal. The devil is not stupid. And according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4 and 6, he wants the blind people to, quote, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, unquote. If blinding people to the glory of God is high on the devil's agenda, then there's a good reason. Look at what a vision of the glory of God did to Paul. Paul was one of Satan's most effective agents in fighting the children of God. One experience of the glory of Jesus and Paul became the children of God's greatest proponent. Your experience of God's glory is a threat to the devil too. God's glory is our life. Our condition apart from Jesus Christ's listeners is not just that we are dead in sin, but that we are separated from glory. Romans 3:23. Jesus Christ restores that glory as we see and are transformed by his glory. The Christian life is summarized by Paul as life that progresses from one level of glory to another level of glory. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 2 Corinthians three seventeen through eighteen. Listen to some translations say, "Going from glory to glory." I like that translation because I don't think Paul is trying to say that the Christian life is one being on a constant spiritual high. My experience is that if we live only for the highs, we will become disappointed and disillusioned, but neither can we settle for our limited experiences either. There is always more. Listeners, don't settle. Expect to go from glory to glory. Expect to experience the presence and the power of God in a way that changes you and changes your world. We should be sensitive to the glory of God all around us every day, yet still maintain that desire for more. As with Moses, quote, show me your glory, unquote. That should be our cry, listeners. Expect God's glorious glory in our lives. Amen.
2: Man, this broadcast is brought to you in partnership with the Coach Tate Foundation. You can support the broadcast so we can bring you God's Word with any type of donation. You can go to www.coachtatefoundation.com, which is www.coachtatefoundation.com.
1: Now, welcome back, listeners, and let's notate in our close for today. Three Steps to Touch Glory by Bob Sorge. And it reads, a wave of God's glory is coming to the church, God's people. Why do we know this? Because he said so. Numbers 14, 21 reminds us, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. God promised at least three times in scripture that his glory would fill the earth. Psalm 72, 19 and Habakkuk 2, two fourteen. The meaning in all three instances, listeners, is that God is going to do something so significant, so powerful and so supernatural that the entire earth will hear the report and affirm that God did it. In the coming wave of glory, people around the world will acknowledge, quote, God has visited his people, unquote. When Isaiah wrote about the coming glory, he said, quote, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken, unquote, Isaiah 40, verse five. Now, Isaiah was speaking principally about John the Baptist, listeners, and how he would prepare the way for Christ. When Jesus launched his ministry, the glory of the Lord was manifest through the many healings, the signs, and wonders he performed. All flesh saw it together. That is, all the people present saw the bread and the fish being multiplied. Everyone present saw the blind man healed and the dead son raised to life in his coffin. When glory comes, everyone has the same objective experience and they all see the same thing together. In the presence realm, people receive subjective impressions and inner feelings. In the glory realm, the spiritual realm literally breaks into the physical realm and the people see visible signs and wonders together. When God visits his children with glory, skeptics and unbelievers will see healings and signs just the same as believers. All flesh shall see it together. Listeners, let's get ready for God's glory. Great gatherings in the coming glory wave. Prepare for meetings that are thronged with people. I see this promised in verses such as these. Jeremiah 31, 8 reads, Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them the blind and the lame and the woman with child and the one who labors with child. Together a great throng shall return there." unquote. And Michael 4, 6 reminds us, in that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame. I will gather the outcasts and those whom I have afflicted, unquote. The bland, the lame, and infirm don't throng to large gatherings because they don't fit in. Their disabilities make them unwilling, in most cases, to participate in large crowds. But there's one exception when Jesus is healing the sick. When the sound goes forth that God is visiting his people and the blind and the lame are being healed, they will suddenly flock to the meetings. In the glory realm, the wheelchairs will line up. They'll come confined to their wheelchairs and leave pushing their wheelchairs. At the time of this writing, our churches have been emptied by COVID-19. And it's difficult to imagine people gathering in mass, but the glory that's coming will be so explosive, listeners, that the churches, the people of God of the land will be unable to hold the harvest and it will spill into the stadiums of the earth. Presence and glory. The biblical connection between presence and glory is fascinating, listeners. They seem to have similar dynamics that reflect a spectrum of intensity. When God shows up at a lesser level of intensity, we experience his presence. When he shows up in greater levels of intensity, we experience his glory. The church was born in glory in the upper room, which means you have glory in your DNA, listeners. Read Acts 2. You love the presence of Jesus, but you'll never be satisfied until you experience in his glory. Presence in the earmark of the church and the glory is the vindication of the church. See Exodus thirty-three sixteen. 16. Reaching for God's glory. What can we do, listeners, from this day forward? What can we do to touch waves of glory? Let me suggest three things he said. Number one, get into the presence of God. First, get into his presence and then contend for more. The presence realm is available to all of us all the time. When you meet, even with just two or three people, Jesus is present with you. See Matthew 18, 20. Get in his presence, listeners, and linger there and gently push in the spirit for more. Churches, the people of God, are being planted these days on this priority. Their presence, their purpose, is to gather in his presence, minister to him, and to watch and see what he wants to do. When you honor God's presence, you're positioned for his glory. Number two, so to the spirit. Second, sowed to the spirit. I have Hosea 8, 7 in view. Quote, they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind, unquote. In context, old Hosea is speaking of the Israelites who practice idolatry. When they worshiped false gods, they were sowing to the wind and would ultimately reap a whirlwind of judgment. But I reckon the opposite must also be true. When we're worshiping Jesus Christ, we're sowing to the winds of the spirit. Is it possible that if we'll sow to the winds of the spirit, we may eventually reap a whirlwind of his glory? See Job 38.1 and Ezekiel 1.4. Number three, listeners, and finally, ask. A-S-K, ask. If you want to experience waves of glory, asked for them. Moses is our model who asked of the Lord quote please show me your glory Lord unquote. Exodus 33:18 God's response was basically I show my glory to whomever I want whenever I want and I've decided to say yes to you unquote and then God encountered Moses with his trivector of glory the same trivector experienced by Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jacob and John. What's that trivector of glory It's an encounter with God in which you will see something you hear something and you feel something supernatural. Moses saw the Lord he heard his voice and then the Lord placed his hand over Moses. it was his glory. To experience such glory, sometimes all you can do is ask and then see what he says. When Jesus visits his children in glory, worship leaders get ready for a wild surf. Amen, Bob Sorge. Now listeners, as we bring this session and this week's message to a close and during our reflection time, we must ask ourselves these questions again daily. Are we leading by example today for our next generation? How can we lead others if we cannot lead ourselves? Listeners, what does your own story's glory to glory look like? What does it sound like? What does it smell like and taste like and feel like? And what does your story's glory to glory Sits like listeners. Are you paying attention? Amen. Our closing poem today is submitted by Miriam Sumner, and it reads as such, for your glory. Lord, I've been abused, and you know my pain. Though I've tried to keep it all to myself, but now I realize it was not in vain. You can use it to help somebody else. It's for your glory, Lord. It's for your glory, Lord. All the things that I've been through are for your glory. I've wasted so much time thinking of myself. Now now they're at a place where I once stood. Use me as you will and I will let them know that all things work together for your good. It's for your glory, Lord. It's for your glory, Lord. All the things that I've been through, Lord, is for your glory. Sister, brother, listen now. Rise up from your grave and leave behind the pain of yesterday. He will give you beauty for your ashes, for sackcloth receives garments of praise. It's for your glory, Lord is for your glory, Lord. All the things that I've been through are for your glory. Praise the Lord. Amen.
0: family with the dynamic new book by francina hallriss our sixth sense and purpose the power in knowing who you are it's the book that gives you insights into life's problems francina hallriss is an author motivational speaker and national broadcaster who believes the answers to your problems lies within the knowledge that was once traditionally passed down by families But that knowledge has been short-circuited by today's faster pace. The book, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are, brings that accumulated wisdom to the problems that all families face. You'll find your copy of Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are, at Amazon and at better bookstores. Empower your life with the dynamic new book, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are, by Francina Hallruss. Thank you for joining Francita Hallrest on Empowered Family Talk. Tune
2: in next week.